much for coming back and joining me on Dr. Me First, a podcast all about authentic conversations between us, female physicians. I'm your host, Dr. Erin Wiseman, your colleague in medicine and your coach in life. That's right. I am your next life coach. And I hope that through my conversations with other female physicians, that I bring you encouragement, inspiration, hope, and fun to your life and your practice. Because guess what? You can go from being stuck and just surviving in life to actually thriving and loving the life that you're living. So no more feeling alone. You have now joined a community of true speakers, lifesavers, and fierce females who want to support and lift each other up. Today is episode number 35, and I am speaking with Dr. Navita Lakira, Dr. Niv. She is talking about joy, and that's her word today. And I really think that you will feel the joy that she exudes through this conversation. So check it out. And then afterwards, come get your kick of encouragement. Here we go. Hey, everybody. I have another guest with me today, and she is going to introduce herself and tell us how fabulous she is. Rose petals, glitter, stardust. Hi, everybody. I am Nivedita Lakhira, and everybody calls me Niv, or my queen, or my princess, and then they kneel. <laughs> all, all such addresses are highly encouraged and welcome. So, well, I am Nivedita Lakhira. I'm born in India. I came to the United States in 2002. Um, by profession, I'm a doctor and I love medicine. By heart also, I'm a doctor. I, medicine is my passion because it combines science and humanities together with especially the kind of work I do. I, I'm a hospitalist, so I get immediate gratification, you know. I, I like that part. Unlike like primary care physicians who have to invest a lot of months to see the out, uh, output of their efforts. So I love hospital medicine. I love hospitalist job. It was custom created for me. Uh, <laughs> uh, I also, but I'm also passionate about uh, everything about life in general. I like uh, nature and I like creating art. I like poetry. I love people. Um, I like food. I like meditation. I like dancing. The only thing I don't like is having too little time. I need 600 hours in one day. <laughs> so basically, I'm a very passionate woman. And I think people started to uh, notice how amazing I am after I wrote my book. So Pill of Dreams. Uh, I usually say undiscovered greatness is still greatness. But uh, yeah, so um, I... Uh, have been writing as a child. I love literature. I think words, uh, words are a common haven. You know, all of us share a journey. We don't realize it, but all of us are connected to each other with the common loss, common joy, common pain, common victories, little victories and everything. And still somehow we are all segregated because it's easy to control people. <laughs> Whether it's a politic, politician trying to control you, media is trying to control you, you know, com commerce is trying to control you. It's very easy when they are segregated. But uh, I think poetry, art, and literature, and it brings people together. It reminds them that they are not alone. They are not isolated in what they're experiencing. So that's what I think words provide and art provides and dance provides. That yes, all of us are basically little microcosmos celebrating a very 
similar collage of life, if I may say so. And that's, that's what uh, led on to creation of this book. And it also has my art. I paint and I did sketches. Um, I think that's what, uh, that's what helped this book reach so many people because they could connect with it. And through this book, they could connect to each other. And, um, you know, uh, at times, uh, I wonder, like, how much powerful thoughts, mind and words are if the whole universe is in similar vibration of thoughts, you know, then things manifest. So acceptance is one of those thoughts. And when the whole universe is vibrating, acceptance, the peace kind of transcendence on you. So I'm a simpleton, but that's what I think. (laughs) (laughs) You just dropped so many truth bombs right there. My brain cannot even digest all that shit. I'm like, where do do we even start? So how about we do this? What do we do now? We should just dance. I love dancing. Let's just put on... Alexander is in the background, Nev is here, Erin is here, let's just hit it. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) My listeners are going to have to go back and like re-listen to all that again because it's so, so beautiful. Or they can just buy my book in future. Or buy your book. There you go. Exactly. Uh, Well, we... My voice is... uh, uh I would say, well, we met through LinkedIn randomly and I was so glad that That's how my whole life is. That's my life's algorithm. (laughs) random synchronicity I love it and so we uh, I sent you a message you messaged me back and you came up with a word and we have like made it happen so tell everybody what the word was that you picked joy joy (laughs) I'm trying to and why did you pick joy Oh, I just was meeting a friend actually at 12.30 and I was trying to talk to him about importance of joy. And as a doctor, you know, you're a physician yourself. As a doctor, we we see life at the most fragile state, you know, at the most Absolutely. vulnerable state. We witness lives that that is uh, that is opaque to most people. Thank God it is at times, you know, it's at times uh, lack of knowledge. Yeah. But we see life at a very temporary stage. At very, we are more aware. Um, we are aware as doctors. We are aware about the temporary status of life, how perishable we are, how transient we are. But we are not awake to it. So most people are not even aware. So they are not awake about it, right? So, but and that's I think that's why people don't have this pressure to learn about or to have introspection or to go back inside of them and have the bird's eye view of life and body in general. And so my third book is called Life Currency. And in my second book also, I talk about it quite a lot. My second book is called I'm Not a Princess, I'm a Complete Fairy Tale. It's on Amazon actually for pre-order, getting launched in February. But joy is a very important currency. And joy is very uh, 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 important in this regard that... um, uh, if you th- consider yourself as an equity, suppose, you know, mind equity, body equity, heart equity, if you consider the whole life as an equity, you're spending, you're spending, you're spending yourself, you know, and sorry, this, this alarm I put for your podcast, actually, <laughs> this is my three o'clock. There you go. <laughs> First podcast. Okay. So I think when, uh, when you, when you, you need to look at every moment as how you can harvest joy because then you are earning 
experience that you can spend it when there is lack of it or in the time of challenges. So I'm a very pro-joy person. If you think about it, human beings are just machines of flesh. Even our, our feelings are neurotransmitter mediated. Even how we look is genetically coded, you know, or you know, epigenetics, it's influence. We are like just a coded thing. Even the love is dopamine mediated. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so even the gratification. So how how to be aware about it that all these things are happening within your within your life. So what I have noticed uh, in people is lack of joy. I'm not talking about pleasure. I'm talking about joy. You know, it's a very different set of gratification. And I think people fail to recognize the opportunities of joy when it presents itself to them. Yeah. Because, because they have this learned fear of survival. So they go in that boom, 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 you know, like a hamster on wheel. Okay, okay, I have to do this. I have to do this. Their algorithm, they're running around the algorithms. So suppose uh, there is a garden. You entered the garden. You're exiting the garden. And most people just get a map. Here is your map. And they just look at the road and then they exit. But there are so many things in the garden they don't notice. They don't notice the beauty of how other people are walking in the garden, how other people are facing challenges in the garden, how seasons are affecting the seed and the flowers and the fruits. And uh, these observation, this learning and the chance to create uh, the joyful experience comes very handy when, when they have setbacks. Yeah. And because they fail to collect joy, when the setbacks come, they they fall apart and there is nothing wrong in falling apart but uh, but it is it uh, kind of uh, the the earning of the joy in the past gives you hope of the joy in the future and you know that's why i want people to understand that in this very temporary life if you think about life it's just a google doc of experiences you keep saying right it's just a google doc of experiences but they are not, they are always under so much uh, lack of freedom that they just store milestones instead of experiences and moments. They are, they are forcing themselves to just chase the milestones as they exit through this garden of life. I was right? at a really good meeting that actually just went all about this. It was a women empowering women in business. And the whole topic was talking about essentially this, like happiness is the external effect of what inner joy is. And they were talking exactly what you were talking about, like storing up inside of yourself, that inner peace and inner joy so that when that outer happiness isn't there or the experience isn't there or, um, you know, life around you sucks balls, then you can pull from that inner joy currency yeah. and sprinkle it exactly. out. That's, that's, that's practically, it's a big chapter in my second book. I'm not a princess. I'm a complete fairy tale. And I think we should, I, I'm actually working with somebody to create, um, how do I say, assignment, like I want to teach these things to young kids. I don't want to tell it to adults later on in their life once they're worn out. I think they should be taught early in the life. I don't think we should tell, uh, the kids should not be told single story life experiences. There is no such like, there is no, no, nothing called happily ever after. There should not be anything happily ever after. Ever after is such a bad illusion. I think being temporary should be celebrated. Being open to the experiences should be celebrated. But if you're not aware or awake about all these things, you will not be actively participating in your own life. Absolutely. And 
So that's 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 why I had to write this book because I wrote my first book and I was done. I was like, it's it was a lot of book, and it was a very beautiful experience. But it did it it took a lot of uh, me. Uh, you know, I had to spend a lot of me in creation. It's like a you know baby. You birthed it. <laughs> it was like birthed it, and I was like, okay. Uh, then I, you know, I I needed to focus on some tech startup. But then I had to write this book because. I saw people suffering and the suffering mostly was denial of reality. If people cannot look at pain as a fact and learn from it or rejection as a fact and, and learn from it or death as a fact, because all these th three things are considered failure. And for some reason, failure is not celebrated. Right. So, 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 so that's why to be aware and awake about all these things. Now, imagine if everybody knows that everything is temporary. How liberating. I think the greatest, greatest uh, joy of being human lies in freedom. Mm -hmm. You cannot be free if you have trapped yourself in illusion of permanence and whatever is catered to you and you don't question it. So first you have to embrace the fact that there is no forever and not just be okay with that, but celebrate it, find out the ways to uh, extract max maximum life out of this temporary existence. Uh, so, so that's what, that's where I think we need to, we need to have that fine tuning in our outlook of life. And, and that's why joy is my favorite word because uh, you humans, <laughs> this is just, I'm repeating what I was talking to my friend two hours ago. He's going through some tough time. And I was telling him the problem with humans, because I consider myself a goddess. So <laughs> it's a fact. I'm a goddess with nice, amazing heels and amazing clothes. <laughs> the problem with us humans is we are so conditioned. We are like, all of us are mostly Pavlo's reflexes. You know, our, our reflexes are so conditioned. So we have been brought up and we have been conditioned thoroughly in the form of spending. Because spending is how commerce can benefit, society can benefit, okay, the media can benefit. And how they show the spending is something glamorous. So you spend money, you get this. You spend yourself in relationship, that's beautiful. You, you get a child, you're spending. They don't, so they give you these milestones, but actually you're spending yourself, gaining them. And subconsciously, we forget to earn ourselves back, but we keep draining ourselves in these experiences thinking this is how things should be. So suppose you just want a child because the whole media or your family or that's how it is supposed to be. You just, took, you just birthed a child without knowing that you are spending yourself in, in exchange for that experience. And you need to earn yourself back during that experience. So there is, you know, you're not empty. You have to be, you need to learn how to be ample. So that's why I look at life as a currency, but no one teaches us to earn ourselves back because that doesn't generate money for commerce, for companies, for media outlets, for society. You know, nobody will be buying a house if in our head, if in our head we think Lamborghini is the, is the thing. Like who, how do we know whether Toyota is better or Lambo is? If you're just taught about it, like I drive a Toyota because I just need some car to take me from point A to point B. And I, I'm like, 
I'm, I've been told, oh, Niv, you need a Porsche or you look good. I said, who, who gave you this idea that a car needs to make me look good? Or I need to, so these are the, I'm just saying, so I need to spend myself to get a Porsche, forget it. <laughs> so my thing is that people need to be aware. So same thing goes, I look at joy as a currency that you need to, you know, if you, you need to earn the joy so you have some reserve inside of you because joy bring, builds up hope. Then you can spend it in tough time. Your hope is already default installed. But again, this is, this is, why, this is why I want to have a curriculum made for you know, grade five to grade 10. If you want to have a startup, if you want to do philanthropy, if you want to be a fashion model, if you want to be a stripper, if you want to be a rocket scientist, if you want to be a sex worker, whatever you want to do, it is beautiful if that's, that's what your constitution tells you. But in order to do that, you need introspection because pleasure, happiness, and joy, they are outward travel. Pain, calmness, meditation and knowledge is your inward travel but this knowledge is usually not shared or celebrated or spoken about because it's again not commercially uh, viral um, but that's that's that these inner travels are very important you need to build yourself up so that's why i look at people uh, you know in complete exhaustion or resentment or regrets it's different from the challenges so i'll give you an example Suppose I decide I need to go to the mountain and have a view. Okay, have a, I, I'm, I want to hike so I can have a view of Portland's beautiful lake or whatever. Okay, or Machu Picchu. I don't hike much, so I'm just I'm just recollecting pictures from Facebook of my friends. If you want to, if you have decided after having an inner monologue that your purpose in life is to go climb Machu Picchu and look at the beautiful view. Suppose you have been aware, you have been awake about your purpose and that's what you decided, that that's your purpose. Then you go and do the hiking. Now, the t thing is, no matter which path you choose in your life, it comes with equal part joy and equal part pain. But if you have decided with your introspection that it's your path, then that joy belongs to you, then that pain belongs to you, belongs to you. Pain never causes suffering. Resenting the pain, denying the pain, detesting the pain, all these things cause suffering. So what happens is being aware about your choices just makes suffering disappear. And then you can welcome both joy and pain. So when you're hiking, you will be okay when you, you run out of water. You'll be hurting when your feet hurt. But that's part of your journey to that peak. So think of, li of life as a hiking. You should know what you're hiking, <laughs> whether you want to hike or not, whether you want to go to beach. But at least then you can own your pain and learn from it. Then you can learn how to rest during the hiking. So when you next time hike, you have those things as a learning experiences. There are no more failures. They become lessons. So that is the difference between pain and suffering. And then... When you have that view, you collect it as your joy that you have earned by spending yourself, you know, and then you use it when you're hiking next time somewhere else that, oh, I remember that view was worth it. Right. So Absolutely. that's, that's my, 
That's my second book. Uh, the, that's why my second book is called I'm Not a Princess, I'm a Complete Fairy Tale, because I'm against single story, you know, how we are taught always. So you, I, I, I want to tell young women, you are the queen, you are your own enemy, your, your own army, you're your own monster, you're your own dragon, you are your own castle, you're everything. You're not a single story princess. Absolutely. Well, I will link all of these to the show notes. So if people are interested, they can pick all of this up. If my listeners are hearing you're like, oh my God, this is amazing. I need to get more of this woman. Where can they find you? You just Google me. If they say my name three times, I appear. (laughs) I didn't come to the private jet. (laughs) They just say my name three times. Nib, nib, nib. Even if you're in the middle of a hospital shift, damn, you're good. (laughs) I am fabulous. Okay, so yeah, so if they just Google, I'm on LinkedIn. I have my website called niveditalakhira.com. I am very active on Facebook. I have a fan page because I reached my friend limit on my personal Facebook account. Uh, But there is no limit to friends on my fan page. So come see me there. I put a lot of my videos on there reciting my work. Also, my audio book is now available. So every morning they can grab delicious cup of my voice as soon as they wake up in the car to go. Perfect. Love it. Well, we will get all linked. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, Erin. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you. Thanks, Dr. Niv, again for coming on the podcast. You know, I love her word joy, and I love how she just exudes that out into the world. Another thing that I think about with joy is happiness. And so I look at my children as happiness experts. I mean, who else can sit in a poopy diaper, stinking to high heavens, while playing with a cardboard box and a rock and have a fabulous time, right? Well, you know, that got me thinking, just watching my children and their stuff, that no matter what it is, somehow they exude happiness. It got me thinking what happiness is not. You know, happiness is not the lack of sadness, fear, or fatigue. In fact, happiness happens right along with these. Happiness is not just an emotion or a warm, fluffy feeling. Happiness does not come at certain levels of money. God knows I know that. Certain locations or the number of shoes in your closet. Happiness doesn't seem to be able to be bought, worn, or eaten. Isn't that the truth? Happiness will not happen immediately. And true, authentic happiness, it can't be faked. You know, a couple years ago, I sat down and read the book, The Power of Positive Thinking. It was written all the way back into the 1950s. But it talks about the unhappiness cycle. And it starts with um, going back to our thoughts, that thinking unhappy thoughts evolves into attitudes and habits of resentment, hate, fear, worry, disencouragement, disengagement, which then those attitudes turn into judgment behaviors, which then results in negative outcomes, which reinforces our negative thoughts. So really what we need to do is define happiness as a way of thinking, an attitude of current contentment with the vision towards the future success that's interconnected with fulfillment, connectivity, and love. Sure, sometimes life around us does just suck, but external stressors, social pressure, and outside influence only partially contribute to our happiness or said unhappiness. 
Look at how other people handle the same external circumstances with different results. I mean, look at your kids, like I said, sitting and playing with a cardboard box and a rock, and yet they're fully happy, where some of us sitting there would just be totally devastated. So we just need to remember that positive inner attitude, our thoughts, that's what manifests outwardly. And so I just give you this encouragement today, and I want to help you find a ray of happiness and joy. So let's try this following exercise. First, realize your unhappiness. What's making you miserable? This does not mean totally falling apart into, into a gummy pile of slime and blubbering tears. Just simply say to yourself, I'm unhappy because blank is contributing to my negative point of view. Just totally point it out. And then second, take responsibility. Stop the blame game. Take the ownership of it. Just own all that shit. More self-talk. I want you to say to yourself, my happiness is my state of mind, emotional well-being, thoughts. I have the power to choose. And today, I choose blank. Now, this doesn't mean that you're totally avoiding things that you need to deal with by choosing a happy mantra or something like that. This is just purely stepping up to the plate and saying, I'm going to own my thoughts. And you know, the ones that are negative and that are making me into a negative person, I'm going to rewrite the script. So that's when you have to continually keep making those changes to those negative thought patterns. It's by giving yourself positive alternatives. That could be daily mantras, prayer, meditation, scripture, anything that combines that positive thinking. It's not taking away the pain or the bad things or the harsh circumstances. It's simply rewiring your thought processes that you can be in love with a cardboard box and a rock. So last, watch for results you might just end up happy. Well, thank you so much for joining me. It's been an absolute pleasure. I'm so glad to have all of you guys still hanging with me. Again, if you want to be a part of the podcast, I'd love to have you as a guest or consider some sponsorship. I would love to have you on here to talk about maybe ways that you found happiness. And plus, that will help extend the reach of Dr. Me First. So check out the show notes to see how you can do that. And always, as I leave you, please remember... Your life, your calling, your pulse matters.